0: having a good morning? Great, because I really am. And I'm saying this because this morning is really significant. And every Sunday is significant, but I'm saying it specifically because you are placed exactly where God wants you right now, here and now. You're hearing what God wants you to hear today because he has absolutely, for whatever reason, arrested your attention. You've said yes to him and you're seated exactly where he wants you to hear his word today. So we are going to go on a journey and this journey is going to end, hopefully, where we get a true revelation of the very spirit of God and the heart of God here in this house, but not just for us as a church, but for us as an individual. So, I'm going to pray and then we're going to get straight into it. And I'm going to do what may be a miracle, finish dead on 11. Oh my God, please. And then I can gloat to Mark. Maybe not. Maybe I won't. Maybe I'll go over, so we won't say anything. Can you delete that part out of the recording? Thanks. That's great. Thanks for that because I don't need to hear it. Okay. Let's pray and then we're going to get straight into this. Father, we come before you and we thank you that today your word is alive and true, that as we gather as your church, something happens in the spirit realm and your angels are going crazy excited because we are so attentive to lean in, to hear your word, to hear our heart and your heart connect. This morning, Father, I thank you for your truth. I thank you for your revelation. And more than anything, I thank you that you are so excited about your church, not just Elevate, but church across the globe. Globe, that this morning as churches have gathered, as they've worshiped you, as they stand and honored you, that today we get to be a part of a global global mission and we are just doing our part on the planet to see your name glorified. I thank you for it in your son's mighty name we pray. Cool. So let's kick into it. This is the last the last in the series of stand, okay? So I'm going to do a quick catch you up with the story that we've been hovering over for the last few weeks. It's the book of Daniel. If you haven't had a chance to read it, don't worry, there's a movie. And I like watching movies. And I remember, I was telling the team a bit earlier, whenever I did English, because I did English and English Lit at school, don't know why, but I did. And I always thought, oh, please, please, please choose a book that's got a movie. And don't get me wrong, I love reading and I love learning, but I always wanted the movie because the movie just gave me the snapshot and I could just watch it, get engrossed and then go, oh, that was good. And it's probably not exactly like the book. So don't quote the movie, quote the book always, okay? So that's the other thing. Watch the movie, but quote the book. All right, so let's start. There's four teenagers and this guy, Daniel, oh, sorry, three and Daniel. So there's four, okay? Their names are... Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego and Daniel they were taken from their place in Judah and they were transferred by the king Nebuchadnezzar to live in Babylon to serve him they didn't really want to but they did Okay. now a series of events happened and there's this one situation where Daniel and the four guys were sitting down to eat because Nebuchadnezzar provided food for them And there was meat and all the rest of it, and Daniel wasn't really a fan of that because he had an issue with how it was reflecting the God's laws. So he said, look, how about you just give us food, uh, just vegetables and water, and we'll last on that for 10 days. Now, I'm not going to hover there, but Tanya did a really great message in the first week of our series. It's so easy to do it by going to our um, Elevate app. Download the podcast and have a listen. So if you've missed any of it, it's a great way just to listen to them like flow on from the other. So she talks more about that and extends it further. So that's a really good message around that if you are interested. Okay, moving on. King Nebuchadnezzar had a really bad dream. It was really distressing to him and he couldn't resolve it. So he decided to ask his magic men to come on down and help interpret this dream. Well, they couldn't do it. They didn't know what to say. They didn't know how to even understand it and didn't even know what the dream said. Daniel heard of this and thought, oh, look, it's not a good thing. So he went to the king on behalf of these magic men and kind of pleaded their case and said, oh, look, maybe don't kill them. Maybe just wait, you know, it's not, you know, they'll maybe find out the dream a bit later. Well, the king had nothing of it because he was quite an evil guy and said, no, no, actually, no, I won't. And what I will do is I'll pin it on you, buddy. You need to interpret my dream. Okay, I'll give it a go, he kind of says. And by, in actual fact, I want it done by the morning. So if you don't have it done, you are lumped with them and you're dead as well. Well, that's nothing like running to God and praying, is it? I don't want to die. Please help me. So what happens? Well, sure enough, the next morning, Daniel goes back to the king and he is able to interpret the dream with God's wisdom. So as a result of the dream, King Nebuchadnezzar takes things a little too far in the dream Daniel refers to the king being represented like a golden statue read it in the book I'm not going to go into it now you'll read it and understand it and so what King Nebuchadnezzar does is takes things a little bit too far he creates a massive statue and what he decides to do is when the band plays at various times throughout the day the people of the land had to stop and worship this statue so that was his deal that was the law and you just had to do it So now, we pick up the story today, at this point. Because I'm a kind person, I won't get you to read the text, we can watch the movie. So thanks Julie, if you wanna flick to the screens.
1: A moment of your precious time. As your dutiful servants, we know the law, that when the horn sounds, we all bow down. And worship your image. But these Jews, whom you have set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, pay no attention to you, O king. None. They neither worship your gods or serve the image of gold you have created. Nothing. Is this true? You refuse to worship my statue? O king, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. Really? Then you shall be thrown into the furnace, and no god will save you from my hand. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, our god will defend us from it. And if he does not, we want you to know, O king, that we will not serve your gods, or worship the statue of Enough! You dare to defy me? Let the furnace be heated sevenfold! Bind them and cast them into the fire! There were three thrown into the fire. Certainly, O king. But now I see four. And the fourth... The fourth looks like an angel of the gods. The fire has not armed your bodies. Not a hair is singed. Your robes. There's not even the smell of the fire on you. Praise be to your God who sent his angel to rescue his servants. You trusted in him. You defied my commands. You were willing to give up your lives rather than serve any but your own God. Therefore, I decree any who speaks ill of the God of Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego will be cut into little pieces and his house turned to rubble. For no other God can save in this way.
0: Epic. Love it. So my question this morning, have you ever had a bad day? Has anyone ever had a bad day? Or how about maybe a bad week? Anyone? Or a month? How about a bad year? Has anyone ever had a bad year? See, I have definitely I'm um, seeing some hands. Yes, I've had a bad year day, whatever combo whatever everything. Well, that's me. I have definitely had a combination of all of those kind of thrown into one. And it was a little bit like, for me, particularly the last three years, have been a little bit like MASH reruns. Now, those of you who are probably under, I don't know, maybe even 40, don't even know the series MASH, and I hate the series MASH. It is this, like, I don't even remember what the M A you probably might, but the M-A-S-H stands for, but as soon as the music would start, I would just get really irate and want to switch it off. And the thing was, it was reruns when I was a child from the reruns from when my mum was a child. So you can imagine how old this MASH was, but it was about, anyway, blah, blah, blah. If you're interested, Google it, but I really didn't like it. So that's what my life kind of felt. Like the last three years, reruns of MASH and that intro music that drove me crazy. Now, these guys Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, well, they definitely had a very bad day, wouldn't you think? See, they were minding their own business, and these three magic men decided to be dibber dobbers. And go to the king and say, well, did you know that these three boys aren't doing what you want them to do? They're not following the law. Well, you can imagine. The king was not happy with this. And the deal was every time the band played, you had to worship this statue. Let's flick to slide one. Let's read together. Furious King Nebuchadnezzar ordered Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to be brought in. When the men were brought in, Nebuchadnezzar asked, is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you don't respect my gods and refuse to worship the gold statue that I have set up? I am giving you a second chance, but from now on, when the big band strikes, you, strikes up, you must go on your knees and worship the statue I have made. If you don't worship it, you will be pitched into a roaring furnace. No questions asked. Who is the God who can rescue you from my power? Now, the boys were pretty gutsy. Remember, teenage boys. And they replied with this. Your threat means nothing to us. If you throw us in the fire, the God we serve can rescue us from your roaring furnace. And anything else you might cook up, O king. But if he doesn't, it wouldn't make a bit of difference, O King. We still wouldn't serve your gods or worship the gold statue you set up. Now, what incredible courage these young teenage boys had. You think about it. You think about it in today's situation. They were probably 14, 15, 16, thereabouts. How gutsy of three boys that said, no, we're not going to do as you ask because we're going to honour what we value and we're going to choose that over your demands. What? And these guys are pretty scary. Like, you know, maybe could you imagine you as a teenager and going to the principal of your school and saying that, no, buddy, mm-mm, not happening. Oh, yeah, right. Like, we would really do that. And there's some of us that would would probably get mega punished as the boys did, for a very good reason, not just because you're being disobedient, though. There has to be a very good reason for you to have to you know, stand up against that. See, well, the thing is, King Nebuchadnezzar didn't appreciate the guts that these boys had. He didn't really like the fact that they were talking back. Nebuchadnezzar, his face purple with anger, cut off Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He ordered the furnace to be fired up seven times hotter than usual. He ordered some strong men from the army to tie them up, hands and feet, and throw them into the roaring furnace. The boys, bound hand and foot, fully dressed from head to toe, were pitched into the roaring fire because the king was in such a hurry and the furnace was so hot. Flames from the furnace killed the men who carried the three boys to it. I think King Nebuchadnezzar needs to go to anger management classes between you and me, because he seemed very, very, very angry. So up until this point, the story doesn't look very good, does it? And I would say it's the epitome of a very, very bad day. See, I can definitely associate with these boys. As I mentioned a bit earlier, I've had three years of a bad, bad day, I started a job about six years ago, and I worked with um, a particular boss of mine, and the first boss I had was in the first three years, and then I ended up a second boss in the second three years. Now, the first three years was awesome. This woman that I had the privilege of actually following her lead was an incredible lady. She was strong, she was gutsy, she didn't compromise, but she had a heart that was just awesome. She loved people, she knew what she wanted. We went along, we supported her. We didn't always agree with her, but she was always great at explaining the why behind the what. And I kind of like that, because it helps me get behind a vision and it helps me really respond to what's going on. Then we had a bit of a restructure and for the last three years, I've had a very different boss. And he was a very, very interesting character. See, things changed. And I started having somebody who was quite disrespectful was quite sarcastic, who disregarded anything one of any of us would say, and he certainly wouldn't really love it if we were to go to him and kind of seek a little bit of clarity or a little bit of understanding. It was met with such disdain all the time. And you can imagine, I really loved that. That was great. It was fantastic. And so for me, it was a very, very interesting time. See... At the beginning of the first of the three years, I was finishing my degree. So I was doing a double major in education and psychology. And during that time, I knew that my end was kind of going to happen. So it was okay. I could kind of deal with it. And probably not agree with the gentleman, but certainly just allowed stuff to go on. I couldn't leave because I had stuff to do and an agenda to finish. So I knew that that first year of the three years was just going to be a really rough ride. The thing is, I really wish that I had probably responded a little bit like the three boys, that I wasn't unwavering, that I was really quite determined and clear about my agenda and where I wanted to go. But I didn't. I didn't do it at all. Second year of the three. I'd finished my degree. Freedom. Freedom. I'll get a job like that. And that was always happening for me. Like I'd apply pretty much one week, get an interview the next week, and the next day get a job. Like That was always what happened to me, always. I never had to wait. I never had to really kind of sit in that space. But that didn't happen to me. That full year, applying for jobs, I didn't get one single interview, not one. And the interesting thing is as that happened in my life, things got far more volatile at work. Not to everybody else, just to our small group of kind of representatives when we were involved with stuff, more dismi- like just dismissive and just rude and just really horrible things. And I remember one day I was driving home back from work, and it was a really, really, really crappy day. It was just an awful day. One thing after the other after that happened. Anyway. I am driving and I'm crying like crazy and complaining to God. And this is my go-to scripture when I'm very angry at God. I say, God, you said in your word that when an evil man even gives his son bread, how much more will the father that loves him give his son? Well, you don't obviously love me, because an evil man cares as much as, you know, anybody, and you meant to love us and you don't care about us and you don't care about me and crying and complaining and oh it was awful. And I'm like, oh, that's the proper ugly cry. It wasn't even like, you know. So I pull up to the lights. And I'm <laughs> can't breathe, crying, 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 just really angry at God. And you know, as those times happen, God's very silent and just goes, okay, just keep going. That's cool. I can deal with it. And oh, God, I just don't understand you. I just don't, I've prayed and I've done and you don't listen to me. And surely you don't want me to stay in that situation. Surely. Anyway, like, I hear this. Zzzz. I had my window down. It was a bit warm. I like driving my window down. Zzz. So this is the other car. This is me. This is the other car. This excuse me, excuse me, this lovely gentleman, excuse me, are you okay? I go, yes, I'm fine, I'm fine, I am. I'm just complaining, you know, to God and stuff, but I'm fine. Okay. Lights go green, he sped off, like proper sped (laughs) off. And I'm sitting in my car like... Well, okay, buddy, no one asked you to wind down your window and get involved, like in my head, right? So that's fine. Pull up to the lights, the next set of lights. And I think, okay, I probably should compose myself. Pull down the little flap, you know, of your little visor. This window, uh, this mirror magnifies everything. I just about died a thousand deaths when I saw my face. I proper had mascara rolling down my face, but it had, for whatever reason, this lovely time, it pulled on my cheeks and it looked like there were bruises just sitting on my cheeks, just there. Then I had snot <laughs> dripping down my mouth and wiped across my cheek. And I thought, no wonder this man next to me sped off like out of hell thinking, oh my God. So I thought, oh my God. So quickly, oh my God. And that just made it worse. And God, you made me speak to a man who just asked me if I was okay. And look at my face. And oh my God, it was just a horror story waiting to happen. So that was, that was the pinnacle of my bad day. See, the thing is, it's, I was still in the fire, right? Right? And I was not doing a very good job of it, to be honest. Let's flick to what the story says. Suddenly, Nebuchadnezzar jumped up in alarm and said, didn't we throw three men bound, hand and foot, into the fire? That's right, O king, they said. But look, he said, I see four men walking around freely in the fire, completely unharmed, and the fourth man looks like son of God's. Nebuchadnezzar went to the door of the roaring furnace and called in Shadrach, Meshach, I better Abednego. Servants of the high god, come here. See, while I was on fire duty, the third year changed. My circumstances didn't, but the big kicker for me was these two questions. How was I going to stand firm in the fire because I didn't know when it was going to end? And what was I going to do whilst in the fire? Because clearly, God wasn't delivering me. Clearly, he wasn't listening to my, well, probably was listening to my complaints, but he was waiting to see what I would do in amongst it while I was in it, how I was going to navigate it. Some things really percolated to the top for me during that time. So this was one, two, third year of my three-year experience, the one just gone. It's just quite fresh. What did I do? I started relying on God's Word. You see, I started getting busy about reminding myself about the character of God and actually trusting in that truth. I found some really cool scriptures that I would hang my hat on and I would speak them over and over and over and over in my life. An example of two I have one is from Habakkuk, chapter 2, verse 3. For still the vision awaits its appointed time, it hastens to the end, it will not lie. If it seems slow, wait for it, it will surely come. It will not delay. Some of you really need to hear that today. You might even want to write that one down. Habakkuk chapter two, verse three. That was like breath to me. Particularly when it said, it will not lie. My God, he doesn't lie. He doesn't lie. He doesn't lie to me. While I'm having my hissy fit in the car, embarrassing myself in front of that guy, God doesn't lie. He is honest and true. And then the second one that I would throw into the mix is trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. He will make them straight. He will do it. He will do it. He will do it. The second thing I did was I would pray for myself and pray for my boss. But I did. And I'm telling you, that was like the words got stuck. Can't get them out. But I did. And what I did do is I spoke God's truth and God's word because I didn't have it in me. I wanted to use expletive deletives about the person. I didn't want to use good stuff over the person. But what I did was going, okay, I can't do it. I don't have the guts for it. I don't even like him. So what I'm going to do is declare God's truth and God's word over the situation because that is far more powerful than anything I could say about a situation. And that's what I did. And at times when he would just, I'd be like, <laughs> thank you, Jesus, for your wisdom and your truth, for your love that abounds much in my life. Thank you that it overcomes every everything. And then I'd go in and talk with him. And magically, but not really magically, God would step up to the plate because I was seeking him first in every situation. When I spoke to my boss, I'd consider carefully, pray for wisdom, then go. Sometimes you couldn't because it was in a situation that you just kind of had to run and fly with. And I'd be like, okay, I'm, I'm, I inhabit. God, you're inhabiting me. All right, so you're in me, Holy Spirit, you're with me. While he's talking, you're talking to me like a crazy person because I need to know what I'm going to say in this situation because I'm not going to say something good and I don't want to be that person. So you have to tell me exactly right now what you're saying. And that's what I'm doing while he's talking, hoping to God I understand what he's saying because I'm too busy screaming at God in my head, just going, help me, help me, help me. Most times, if I listened, it worked. Most times. When I didn't, it was because the weasel was being mouthy, because I wanted to say what I wanted to say, not what God wanted me to say. And those times never turned out good, a little bit awful. Then I got busy doing what I was doing anyway. Apply for jobs. Apply for jobs, apply for jobs again and again and again and again and again and again and again. Keep applying, keep applying, keep applying. Like this one, like that one. Where do you want me, God? What do I want to do? Do I apply for that one? Don't I do that one? And I just kept doing it. I'd been applying for them. Not much success happened. See, now, Finally, out of the blue, literally talk about a message illustration. What are we today? So last week, I got called for an interview out of the blue for a school that I really wanted, that I really liked, that I really felt like I could do something cool there. The principal called me, had an interview on the Wednesday. The Thursday, she called me and said, we'd love to offer you a job. And just like that, I walked out of the fire. Yeah, that's cool. That is cool. But to be honest, it wasn't just like that. I walked out of the fire. That was the evidence of what happened. But what I had to do first and foremost is get busy about trusting what God had for my life, get busy about obeying God in life, get busy about doing what he wants me to do, responding according to his word, putting that as my agenda, more than the job. Because you know what? If that didn't happen on Wednesday, I'd still be in the fire. I'd still be there. I'd still be there and I'd still need to be doing what I'm doing because that is where stuff happens. You see, and I don't want to miss this part because I really feel like it's an inspired bit. So I want to go back to read this part. So often, we focus on on how to get out of the fire. So often, get me out of here, get me out of here, get me out of here, I don't like it, I don't like it. Like even, I'll do a quick one. Started Pilates again this week. Glory be to the Father. Does everyone know what a plank thing is? Right, I'll quickly show you. It's this, right? Okay, okay. Now your butt needs to be level. And, you know, fancy people do it on the arms and everything like that, right? And for the first 10 seconds, it feels fine. But then the instructor from hell says, hold that pose. She doesn't tell you how long to hold it, but you just keep holding it. And you keep holding it. And she then says this beautiful word, just breathe through the pain. Breathe through the pain. Okay. interesting thing is when I do breathe through the pain, it does become a little bit easier doesn't make it comfortable but it makes it a little bit easier I still want to get out of the pose I don't like being in that pose but I know if I stay there and listen to her and listen to her direction I'll get stronger I'll get more muscles I'll have a good solid core and I'll be able to move and be stronger in the things that I want to do later in my future that's how God works in the fire that's how he works we get stronger in our core, when we stand firm in the fire, knowing that Jesus is right there with us, moulding us, shaping us, guiding us. And what we have to do is obey him. I want to flick to screen slide six. And this, if you don't remember anything that I say today, Remember this, how we stand in the fire determines our future, absolutely. That is it at the end of the day. The story of the boys, how they navigated their situation, the story of my three years of fire, How we stand in the fire determines our future. Before we kind of wrap up, I have a question for you. So, what is your fire? Now, you may not be in a fire at all right now, and that's cool because, you know, that's how it happens. But you may have just come from one, or you may be heading into one. What kind of fire is it? Is it a relational fire? Is it a financial fire? Is it a job one like mine? What is it that you could say, gosh, I was in the pit of hell, a health-related fire, whatever it is. Today, I know in my heart that God is right there in that fire. As we saw in the movie, And read in the story, King Nebuchadnezzar said, I put three in that fire. There's a fourth. What? I only put three. Where is the fourth from? The fourth is the spirit of God himself hovering in amongst it, completely embedded with us in it. Scriptures talk about he never leaves or forsakes us. And that is the truest of every day, but more so when we're in that fire. He knows, he understands, he completely is ready, boots and all ready to go, let's jump. I'm in. I'm here, holding your hand, navigating this together. We might have to stay in this fire for a while, but do not fear. I am with you you. Do not be anxious for I go before you. Do not feel neglected or alone because I have you in the palm of my hand. Today for me, that is the most reassuring truth about God, completely. I know I can stand because I want to read you this. I stand firm in the fire because of God of all creation. The God above humanity and circumstance is in the the pit with me. He and he alone goes before me. He calls me by my name. And says, Rise up. He goes before me, beside me, behind me, and is in every single aspect of my life. The only condition we have to do is trust and obey. I'm going to pray, and I'm going to pray for two things this morning. Some of us may have never ever made a decision to follow Jesus. We're talking about this person about standing in the fire with us and doing all this cool stuff, and I don't even know what you're talking about. I don't even know how I'm... I don't even know. Well, this morning, I'm going to give you an opportunity. If that's you, you can slip up your hand. I'd love to pray for you. Second... Mark talked a little bit about it next, or last week, about being in the fire. I want to wrap that one up too and extend a little bit further from what he prayed last week. If you're right in a fire, I want to pray for you this morning. And I want to pray that you have the ability to stand firm in a position where we trust God and obey his ways. So let's pray. First thing. Father, I come before you and I thank you for your truth and your word. And this morning, as we gather as your church, there may be people in this place who have never said yes to you, have never opened their hearts and said, yeah, I want to follow Jesus. I want to follow this this God who gets in the fire with me, who, who I can learn to trust and obey and know that he's got my back and will be there no matter what. If that's you this morning, can I ask you to slip up your hand? And the only reason is, is I want to pray for you. Thank you. Two at the back. Thanks. Anyone else? Seen that hand? Awesome. Guy at the side. Thank you. Anyone else? We'll take a few more seconds and then we'll pray. And we're going to pray together as a church because it is so cool to be in a community where we have the same heart and the same passion that God has. Let's pray with those people. And then I'm going to do the other prayer. Repeat after me. We're going to say this together. I'll say a line. Everyone repeat after me. Father God in heaven, today I commit my life to you. I say yes to following you all the days of my life. Thank you for loving me, for choosing me, for being with me. And Lord, my prayer is that you are with me all the days of my life. Cool. And the second prayer. If you are feeling like you are walking through the pit of hell right now, I'm just going to ask you again to slip your hand up and I want to pray for you because I believe that God is here absolutely ready to see and attend to whatever. If it's staying in the fire, we stay strong and firm knowing that he is with us. If we're moving out of the fire, then we move with him. But no matter what, we can trust in his truth. Send a few hands go up. Anyone else? Just no biggie. Just slip it up and we'll keep praying. Cool. Cross the auditorium. I'm going to pray for you. Father, I thank you so much for your truth and your word. And as... We've heard your word this morning. Things have risen up into our hearts. Truths have been sparked. And your heart has been revealed. So, Father, my prayer this morning is as people have slipped up their hand, acknowledging that they are in the pit of hell, that they are in the fire where they're feeling like their nostril hairs are starting to singe. God, I just thank you that you are right in there, that it's not just empty words, that it is truth, that you are right in there, that you are amongst it, that you are shaping, moulding us, guiding us, that you will never leave us, that you will never forsake us, that you are there with us, that we have you in our heart and lives, that you have us in the palm of your hand that we can trust in you with all our heart and lean not on our own understanding, but in all our ways, we will acknowledge you for you make our paths straight. Lord, I prophesy that this morning. I declare it over every life, even people that didn't put up their hand. Lord, for, and that's totally cool. No matter what, Lord, I pray that we continue to lean our heart and hear your voice in any circumstance or any situation. God, I pray for strength. I pray for clarity. I pray for confidence. And Lord, I declare that the people that put up their hand will have an extra measure of your grace and mercy this week and beyond.
1: We ask this through your son's mighty name, we pray. Amen.